Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to another Visit to the Mound. I'm Lark Smith, along with Stan Huff. And today, our guest is Mike Mosa. He is a player's agent, and he's here to enlighten us about that role in the game of baseball. Mike has been an agent since 2006. He was a former member of the police union for 10 years in Beverly Hills, California, negotiating contracts for the police. Entered the agent business as a union rep that covered all aspects of working environment and labor relations. Getting into the sports end, he helped an agent friend of an NFL player get a reduced fine for an over-the-counter supplement. His strength was in negotiating a reduced suspension for the player that led Mike into baseball as an agent. He has helped many major and minor league players through their careers on the field. Mike, thanks for being with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. First off, I'd like to know what is required to become a player's agent? You know, it has changed over the years. When I first started, it was um, you pretty much had to go to work for somebody that was an agent or have an agent sponsor you. And the Players Association would keep tabs of, you know, what you were doing and how you were doing it. In other words, are you following by the rules? They now have a program where um, they give potential agents or individuals that want to become agents um, the information they need to pass an exam that they have to take to get certified by the Players Association. Okay. So is there, is there a fee there for that to do that? Is, is there anything in baseball that doesn't does not have to do? <laughs> okay. Oh, well, how much is the fee? <laughs> the application this year went up to twenty five hundred dollars from fifteen hundred. Okay. Sounds minimal. Now, now you said rules, rules and negotiations. What, I, what that that doesn't sound like it's like it belongs in negotiating to me. I, I would think. Okay, what kind of rules are you talking about? Well, I think you know. Rules and negotiating are, are probably the, you know, the smallest portion of what they're, they're you know, after because I think every individual uh, is different in how they negotiate with a ball club. Um, I know I, I had a club tell me one year that there's no way in arbitration you can get that figure. And I said to the assistant GM, um, that's not for you to decide or me to decide. That's up to the arbitrator. So, but they do have rules as far as ethics, you know, sure. um, not giving gifts to players, you know, not trying to take players from, you know, another agent. I mean, it's just a lot of common sense things that, you know, you would think an organization would have to make sure that, you know, the individuals that are representing the union are, in fact, you know, doing it, you know, in a professional manner. 
Now, your background was in unions, but what kind of background might an agent need? Uh, something in finance, something in law? I mean, what, what exactly a background is necessary to become a player's agent? You know, there really is no criteria for it. A lot of guys get into it just because, you know, they like the sports. They like, you know, they want to be able to represent, you know, individuals in the world of sports. And what they do is, you know, they, they can go to an agent if they know one or apply to work for an agent and start to, you know, pick up uh, the information they need and also see whether or not it's something that would, you know, work out for them as far as, you know, putting food on the table. I see. Uh, oh, Mike, let's 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 go into the uh, what you've been doing. So, uh, so how many players are you comfortable with at one time, at one given time that you're you're uh, helping out? In affiliated baseball, fifteen is about the max for me, um, because if you get one or two of them, two of them that have, you know, some kind of issue that you heal, have to deal with a ball club, it gets to be awfully time consuming. I see. And, you know, if you're the player and something's going sideways or you need equipment or, you know, they said something to you that was upside down or they wanted to send you someplace or you couldn't see a doctor, uh, you know, whatever uh, need a ball player has, you can't really put that on hold for two, three, four days. You know, you got to deal with it when it comes up. Makes sense. So basically what I'm hearing is if, if a player has a problem with a – ball club, be it, you know, he's not getting enough socks or something. He goes to you and say, Hey, get me this or, or talk to folks about this. He doesn't necessarily go to the general manager or, you know, how does that process work? Well, you know, equipment is part of, you know, uh, my responsibility on the minor league side. And I, you're probably well aware that the minor league salary, what found me went up to a, a living wage this year, but, you know, when you're making $300 a week at A-ball, you know, three years ago, what exactly can you afford? Not a whole lot. Well, exactly. So, Feed yourself. So, you know, that's about it. Yeah. If sometimes, you know, sometimes you come up short on the feeding yourself. Right. So, you know, equipment like, you know, uh, position players or, you know, gloves, <laughs> spikes, turfs, things like that. Um, bats, when they get a little further up the, the food chain, it's not too bad. Uh, you know, in that arena, the ones that are probably are, are most expensive and most agents would agree are catchers. You know, catcher's gear now is you, you provide a set of catcher's gear, it's, you know, $1,000. Mm. And they raise, you know, the maximum amount I could spend on a player was $2,000. And they just raised it this year to 3000 I see. So you had to be careful on what you provided the player because, you know, you knew that you had a cap of $2,000. And, you know, you, you wanted to make sure that you could get him the stuff he needed, you know, not cut him short and stay within that $2,000 limit that the Players Association uh, enforces. Do you do anything about getting endorsements for players or do they do that on their own? No, I, you know, it, it's as the player moves up the food chain uh, in the minor league system, businesses like, you know, people that manufacture gloves and bats and so on and so forth become more interested in sponsoring that player because he's getting closer to that big league spot where it's advertising for them. Their bats are paid for by the ball club at the big league level. So as an individual progresses, you know, you 
I start with, you know, I'll call a glove company and, or, you know, somebody that produces catchers here and say, okay, you know, so-and-so is it, you know, he's going to the Arizona Fall League this year, or he's going to AAA this year. You know, you have any interest in, in you know, giving him an endorsement contract. So you kind of, you know, solicit uh, the manufacturers of baseball equipment to see if they are interested in endorsing a particular player. We're talking today with Mike Mosa, a player's agent. Now, you focus on baseball. Do you do anything else, any other sports? Are you representing anybody in football or soccer or anything like that? I do strictly baseball. You know, the name of my company is only baseball players because that's all I do is baseball. That's it. It's confusing enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I understand. What's the process of, of acquiring clients? Well, you know, a lot of it comes from referrals from existing clients. And, you know, the draft, um, because of the amount of, of money that, you know, players are, are paid in the draft, you know, a lot of agents want to go get those, those um, top draft choices because, you know, they're going to charge them for, you know, advising them in the draft. I don't do much in the draft because, you know, I really feel that the reason that baseball as you hire up in the draft, it has nothing to do with what I could do. It's strictly based on your talent. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's really for me to go, you know, in my opinion, charging somebody because, you know, he was blessed with a lot of talent. So I do most of mine from, you know, referrals. And one of the first questions I ask a, a player when he's going to refer me a player is, what kind of person is he? Yeah. That's that's yeah. key. Now let's talk about the draft eligible players. How do you how how do you make that first meeting? Uh, does a player call you, or are you reaching out to players or and families, or or how's that work, Mike? Most of the time, you know, the the, the player will call me, or uh, a former player or client would call me and say, "Hey, you know, um, you know, I used to be this kid's pitching coach. You know, when I worked at you know this p- pitching facility." Um, you know, he's, he's may go fairly high in the draft or he's going to get drafted. Uh, he wants to talk to somebody and see exactly how the draft works and, and, you know, um, what to expect. And I feel that information should be free. So it's, you know, have him give me a call and, let's, you know, I'll answer his question. Let's take it from there. So what about, you know, slot money and all that stuff? How do, how do you make, how are you made aware of where this person might be drafted? Well, normally the, the, the ball club that is recruiting him, that wants to sign him, will give him some indication of where they think that that player fits in the draft. Okay. And on draft day, it, that normally goes in the trash can. Yeah. But, you know, just, just the world of baseball. Your higher draft choices, you know, they normally stay somewhere, you know, the, the upper levels. But as – makes sense, you know, every advisor out there wants to, you know, to talk to, you know, a number one or a number two draft choice because of the, you know, the, the amount of money involved. But, and nobody knows whether you get drafted, you know, first round, first pick or 10th round, you know, 30th pick, nobody knows who's going to make it. Exactly. You know, it, I think we're all aware of first round, first picks that, you know, got four or $5 million and never made it. And it's, it's not that, you know, there's something wrong with them or everybody misgaged them. It's, you know, on the planet, 
there's 780 guys that play Major League Baseball yeah. on the entire planet. That's an awful, awful, you know. Small amount. Yeah, so. I've had, you know, 10th round draft choices spend eight years in the big league. Oh, yeah. I've seen them. Yeah. Mike Piazza. Oh, yeah. Did he even get, I don't even think he got drafted, did he? Yeah, he was a. That was a was he a free agent signing? It was a uh, Tommy Lasorda buddy deal. Yeah, I, I think that's that's what I heard. I could be wrong. Yeah, but uh, all right, Mike. What about uh, so? Let's talk about slot money. What is actually what kind of money are they throwing around these days? Well, I think you know that that's you know you can anybody can you know Google that and find out what each round is going to be. It changes every year. I think, uh, what, this year was like $7 million for the first round? Oh, first wow. round pick. You know, and that's... It, well, $7 million used to... Uh, that would take care of the whole minor leagues for one year with a couple of organizations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one now, time. I, I'm understanding the minimum salary is around $700,000 now. Is that true? This year it's seven hundred. Next year it'll be seven twenty. And you probably remember, Stan, that, uh, you know, you could get a big league call up, be on that, you know, first year salary. And let's go back, you know, seven or eight years when it was, you know, $360,000 was the minimum. Your second year in the big leagues, they didn't have to give you a raise. So some clubs would give you as little as $1,000 after you had played in the big leagues for a year. And this is the first contract that I've seen the Players Association now, if you you know you play in twenty two in the big leagues and twenty three, you're getting twenty thousand dollar pay raise. When I and was playing, the f- salaries in the baseball were like fifty thousand, sixty thousand. Yeah, 60, yeah. I, the, I remember uh, uh, Big Mac didn't cost three eighty five back then either. So George Foster was the first million dollar player. Uh, I, I heard. Is that true? Well, or? you know, uh, you know, I don't remember who the first million dollar player was, but you know, you just. In, as you, you're well aware, that you know in, in the early '60s, all big league ball players had an off-season job. Right. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I remember when Jimmy Lefevre, uh he was Rookie of the Year for the Dodgers in 1965. His rookie, his salary was 7,500 for the year. Wow. Wow. You know, wow. And, and that's like that's that's the National League Rookie of the Year, and there was only what. Eight teams in the big, eight teams in the, the uh, American League, and eight teams in the National League. As yeah. it wasn't quite as big as, as it is now. Yeah. Now, no. You now re- they're getting paid. I'm sorry. You represent both major league and minor leaguers. Oh yeah, I have more minor leaguers than I have big leaguers. <laughs> well, I understand that, but uh, as far as you mentioned, seven hundred thousand salary is that major league salary? Is that minor league salary? Is there a minimum for minor league? There is. This is the first year that they've had a minimum for minor league salaries. Okay, um, if you're in rookie league, it's six seventy five a month this year. Um, if you're at AAA this year, it would be, or I'm sorry, six seventy five a week. Uh, this year, if you're at AAA, it would be $1,200 a week. And, you know, I, I can remember when $600 was the monthly salary. At well, 500 a month was my starting salary when I signed how many guys the lived, Mets. And how many guys lived in your apartment? 
Oh, it was crowded. <laughs> yeah. We had them from all over the world li- living on mattresses on the bo- on the floor. Had to threaten them to get their rent money. <laughs> anyway, uh, it, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, we had five guys in one house one time with two bedrooms, so it was. Uh, and it, somebody slept on the kitchen floor. Uh, yeah, that, either that or in the living room or the dining room mm-hmm. uh, in a sleeping bag. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, something else. Can Can you answer this question for me? Exactly why is an agent necessary? Well, I think the first thing, and I'm not trying to be condescending, but, you know, these individuals that get drafted, all they've done is play baseball their entire life. Right. Correct. So now we're dealing with a, a life experience issue of, you know, if somebody says something to them or, you know, does something, um, a lot of them, you know, will just bite the bullet. Uh, they really don't know whether it's appropriate, inappropriate. Just it, it, it's a, an entirely different business world to them. So, you know, for me, it's let me give you as much information as I, I can. If something comes up that you know doesn't make sense to you, give me a call, um, and I won't do anything unless you give me a green light to do it. You know, so it's uh, I had. And a lot of this goes to the injury issue of I had a player this year that had to have Tommy John surgery and it was a nightmare dealing with the big league club, getting them to send him to get a second opinion, got that second opinion, okay? That opinion didn't jive with the team doctor. Player is allowed to, and of course I'm doing all the talking for the player, players allowed to pick the doctor and i tell you the club was so upset with it he was on the operating table when they released him wow yeah wow so yeah it, it can be a a you know tough business you know you know the player gets you know he says you know they're releasing me i was on the operating table and we kind of you know try to tone that down as to you know they wanted to get rid of you know this issue but now they have to be held responsible for your rehab and your workman's comp. And sometimes you have to explain to a club that, okay, you're in state X. Um, you don't get to pick what the workman's comp compensation is. Right. The state does. And when yes. they say, well, we don't, then you have to plug them into an attorney in that state that does workman's comp. And normally the Players Association has those names and numbers. God bless them. And, you know, they get together and normally they, that attorney will let the ball club know. Um, we're not asking. We're just letting you know this is the way it's going to go. So that's that's where an attorney comes in. Is there another another area of, of your work that where another, an attorney might be needed again? I, no, I, you know, that's workman's comp is one. Uh, normally when you have an issue with a club, the Players Association, um, if you bring it to their attention, they will resolve anything, any issue that they have with Major League Baseball. They have lawyers within that organization. I got you. Yeah. What about uh, talk of you? Do you use a financial advisor, Mike? I do not, because my fear is if I referred you to a financial advisor that at some point in time in his life he went south, I, I ref, you know, I reference this, this individual to you. So I, you know, I tell you, if you, you know, you, so you could be held accountable for that, huh? He feels like that. Yeah. You know, I'd rather have you pick your financial advisor. I have a, you know, a woman that does taxes. She was a 
a former IRS, um, what do you call it, accountant. Yeah. So yeah. And she's rather conservative, so you know she doesn't stretch that string too far as far as taxes go. But you know, finances that's your money. Should you get a financial advisor? Yeah, but you know, be careful when you get one. And that's when I have to say, be careful when you get one. Then, then that's not something I want to recommend. I guess I understand. Our guest today is Mike Mosa, a baseball agent. Mike, are there teams that are easier to negotiate with than others? Yeah, you know, it depends on the personality, you know, in a front office. So, and all those personalities are different. Sure. You know, uh, I found a few years back I had a guy that, you know, played for a New York team, which kind of a limited one, but I'm not going to mention the team. And their general manager was, was, you know, very reasonable in, you know, what he thought you had in a player and what he thought he could get and what, you know, what he thought he could give them to take care of them. And, you know, that's, you know, comforting for me. But like I said, I've also had guys turn to me and say, you, you know, you can't get, you know, a million dollars in arbitration. You can't go from his current salary to a million dollars. And that's the guy you have to tell. Um, it's not my decision. It's not yours. It's the arbitrator. So, you know, you can sit here and say he can't get a million dollars. And when the arbitrator gives him a million dollars, that's the bottom line. And I hate to say this out loud, but I did get him his million dollars. Good. Well, that's that's why you're there. Yeah. Now, what about, okay, what do you do for the player? Other, You know, let's say you got a player that's coming out of college. Uh, any any advice for a, a, a player like that that, that you're going to be representing possibly? Well, you know, I think his college education is important. Um, you know, it, it, and I think I said this to Stan the other day, I had a player that I asked him when he was in college, what did you take? And he said, uh, eligibility. And I said, what? He said, I just took classes to stay eligible. Well, you know, baseball is a short-term career. You could play in the big leagues for 10 years, you're 35 years of age. Baseball is done with you. You don't have a job. Right. So what do you have to fall back on? So, you know, you're going to school, um, you know, be serious about your education. I had a kid that was one semester from his master's degree in um, engineering. And he got called to the draft and they offered him something like $5,000 as a lower round. And he you know, called me and said, well, what would you do? And I said, you're one semester from your master's? He said, yeah. I said, I get my master's. Absolutely. And he did. And he had a heck of a senior year. And we paid him four hundred thousand, and he still had his. He still has got his master's degree in engineering. He's done playing baseball, but he's still an engineer. Outstanding. Okay. Life st- life goes on. You know, yeah. baseball leaves you, but uh, life goes on, as I know very well. Yeah. Baseball and talent <laughs> leaves you. <laughs> you're one step slower, and uh, your reflexes are just have left you yes. completely. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you could, you could, and it's amazing when you remember how you played. You remember that how great you were that nobody noticed. You got, you <laughs> of course, with time. of course, <laughs> definitely. <Yeah. laughs> That's our time for this episode, Mike. Thank you so much Mike, for being with us today. It. You bet. Oh, thank you. You appreciate it. You guys stay healthy, would you? You bet. That, that's what we try to do in our elder years. Yeah, it's great info today. Thanks very much. Yeah, many thanks to our special guest today, Mike Mosin. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments or things you would like for us to cover, we'd love to hear from you. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at 
a visit to the mound or on our website at a visit to the mound.com. Make sure you like subscribe and review this podcast and be listening the next time we take a visit to the mound. That'll wrap up this visit to the mound. We certainly appreciate you joining us today for a little baseball talk. Anytime you want to hear something about baseball, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast, or you can go to roguemedianetwork.com for the next edition of A Visit to the Mound. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.